0: Women Taking the Lead, Episode 59. And I always thought that being a good partner is, you know, supporting somebody. But I took it to an extreme and that I lost myself. I just lost myself. And I only have myself to blame. But that process was a huge wake up call.
1: Hello, my name is Jody Flynn, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. hello everyone and thank you for joining us today i'm here with edie berg who has had multiple careers including physical therapist private chef caterer culinary instructor and executive administrative manager briefly very briefly she was also a pattern maker periodontal dentist assistant a technical writer oh she was born in israel but grew up in California and Western Australia and lived in Canada and Boston. She is the mom in a blended family of her four kids and his two kids. And Edie has her own podcast, The Strong Women's Club, where she brings on top echelon women who share how they got to where they are and how we are all members of The Strong Women's Club. I love that. But Edie, I'm going to pass it over to you that because that's just a little intro. So tell us more about you and your own beginnings.
0: Oh, Jody, thank you so much. That's so funny because now I feel like we you've already said everything. I don't really <laughs> 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 but uh no, I can fill in um some of the spaces. But thanks so much for having me on your show. It's really an honor for me to be to be on it and part of um I've listened to a lot of your podcasts, and the women you have on are super interesting and um and I'm 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 happy to be part of it. Yay. Thank you. Uh so as you said, I've I've had you know my humble begin. I've had so many humble beginnings. It's like so my life is one long string of humble beginnings. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I feel like, you know, like I um, and and it's certainly a pattern that that has its pluses and its minuses. So all these moves and changes in my life have, you know, they've really they've really they really build one, a whole person that it's, it's like you become a react, I, a re, you react to one situation and you build a new situation. So for example, like you said, I was born in Israel, but I wasn't, when I was a baby, really as yeah, six months old, we moved to California. But then when I was 13, um, I moved to Australia. So that's kind of an inform, uh, an important age. Um, I was in eighth grade and, at that age, i was a straight a student and i was um very driven i think academically it was very very important for me to to do well academically and i had uh i would had been accepted to this uh, prep school i was going to go to for high school and and uh, i had planned on i had big plans with the university and everything and then my family moved to australia so I loved moving to Australia. I I ended up really having a great life there. I I, I liked it a lot. But a lot of my emphasis changed all of a sudden from academics to being accepted socially. Mm -hmm. It's a huge change for me. And and that kind of continued on. To be a pattern, Uh, you know, for the rest of my life, I think, um, you know, when you go into suddenly go into a new high school, I went to a, I moved from a a large public school in California to a very small Jewish day school in Australia, which uh, very small, I mean, in my whole grade, we were only 12 people. It was like a tiny, it's a, a small, small school. It was great. I loved it. And it was a great education. But. You really need to, um, I felt like I really needed to fit in. If you don't fit in, then, then you can have a really hard time. And so, so even though I continued uh, caring about my grades and never let it like, you know, go to, go to pot or anything like I can never let it go, but my emphasis definitely changed. Um, And so then I, I did university. I, I finished high school there. I, I went to university as a physical therapist, and then right away, I got a job in, as a physical therapist in Canada, in Alberta. And I went with two girlfriends. The interesting thing about Alberta, Canada, is that they um, they got a huge influx of money in Canada from. Uh, they had discovered oil years earlier. And so they had a lot of money and they put it to good use. And, they, and that every little tiny town with like even just two or three thousand people got a brand new, beautiful hospital with lots and lots of great equipment. But they had no staff. So they were looking to staff from all over the world. And, and physical therapy is is well known in Australia. So we were recruited there and we moved over there. And I had my own hospital, like my own department right, as a new new graduate. So I was running the department and, um, I had a couple of PTA, PT assistants and, and right. But I didn't have anybody to learn from. So, you know, it comes with, that was, you know, it comes with its pluses and its minuses as well. And that I had to manage. I had to, I was on my own. I was 21. You know, I didn't have a family. I didn't have anything. I was just living in a new country and, and and managing this 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 um this little hospital um i loved it. We, it it was great, but on the other hand and and i got my i got a lot of managing you know I have to learn how to interview you have to learn how to budget you have to learn how to to um handle patients and you have to learn how to recruit all kinds of um you know get get patients from all over the the area to come to you and not to go to someplace else There was a lot of things to do but but uh, managerial wise and less so as a physiotherapist or a physical therapist. Mm-hmm. So, you know, yeah, go ahead You know
1: what's so interesting, Edie, about your story. Um, just to quickly interject, because it's just what keeps coming to my mind is the, the first time we met, which was really quickly where for those who are listening, I went to podcast movement in Texas in August. And the first morning, actually, it was a pre-day, it was a workshop day. So it was the first morning for me. I come out of my room and across the hall, another woman comes out of her room and she's tall and she's striking and very confident, very sure of herself. And I feel like this bundle of energy and it was you. <laughs> it was me? You're talking about me? Yes. I'm listening to your story. Well, that's fascinating. I wonder who that was. <laughs> and you know, what's really funny that's is so we were chatting. I don't know if you remember this. We were chatting, going down the hall and we were talking about. About getting coffee. And you we had meant, you know, we had said, Oh, podcaster, are you going to this workshop? Yes, I'm going there too. I, you mentioned I'm going to get coffee from Starbucks. And I was like, No, they're offering coffee in the room. You're like, No, they're not. And I was like, Yes, the email said, Come have coffee, you know, come early, come have coffee. And I'm like, if you say that, that means there's coffee in the room. And you were like, No, it there's there's not. And I was like, I'm not really sure about that. So I went to the room to check it out. You went to Starbucks and sure enough, there was no coffee. So I went downstairs, I went to Starbucks and I got in line. I saw you and I said, Yep, there was no coffee in the room. And you just smiled. Okay. Oh, no. And that that was my first impression of you. Like you knew what you were about. You knew what you were doing. You were sure of yourself. And so hearing your story, you know, and to even say like that, that was a theme of your whole life where, you know, you really felt like you were, you know, trying to be confident and be accepted. I'm like, wow, that is not how you present yourself. At least now. Yes.
0: yeah. Yeah. No, that's it's nice of you to say thank you. And um, it's it's interesting because I think a lot of us, we meet people or, or not even meet people. You see people in all different kinds of situations and your preconceived perceptions of them are, can be totally different to how they perceive what's going on. And yes. um, it's true that as I um, have aged, <laughs> I have become more confident. And in certain situations, I feel, actually do feel confident, but a lot of situations are, are, um, are psyching myself up to that you know, like it doesn't necessarily come naturally. Like you have to like say, you know, like if, if, you know, if uh, like, for example, with a podcast, like I said, well, you know, hundreds of other people have podcasts. Why can't I have a podcast? (laughs) You know? And so, so, you know, it's not rocket science. It's just talking, you know, (laughs) but it's not easy. It's, it's not easy to do it. And it takes, and certainly interviewing people takes experience right it's it you sound um a little unsure of yourself and and your words aren't you you can't always find the proper word the exact phrase that you're looking for and, and and with time with experience comes confidence but you have to start someplace and i think everybody everybody has that feeling of having to start someplace and and and, and you're unsure of yourself
1: No, absolutely. You can. I I get what you're saying, where you can boost yourself up like other people are doing this. I can do it, too. And so you proceed forward and you start taking action. Mm -hmm. But then at some point, like you start questioning yourself, too. Like it it can change. right? Right? Confidence isn't a steady thing. Like you don't gain confidence and never lose it. Right, it it fluctuates right. and it's it's like a plant that has to be watered. You have to yeah. keep boosting yourself up, and sometimes you have to act as if you have confidence to get the confidence. That's so
0: true. That's so, <laughs> true. That's so true. That's so true.
1: Yeah, it is a little bit of an act,
0: and and uh, you're right, it comes and goes. It, it does. Yeah. So I just so I've, I lived in. I will just try to fast forward here a little bit. I lived in Canada for. A couple of years then I moved to Israel, I volunteered, um, on a kibbutz. I studied Hebrew for six months, um, on a old kibbutz. And, uh, I ended up staying there for another half a year. So, and then I, and then I started working in a hospital in, as a physical therapist in Israel, I met my husband and we got married and we traveled the world. We traveled all over the place all for a year. We were in, in, um, in India for a few months. We were in Africa for a few months. We did some long trekking. Um, We were in the States for a little while. We were in uh, Thailand and Southeast Asia for a little while. We had, we had um, ups and downs in that year, but it was definitely an interesting year. And uh, we ended up settling in Boston for his studies uh, for a couple of years where I, um, again, I took a management position, a physical therapist management position. In fact, it was a rehabilitation. We, we, uh, I helped to establish a home healthcare company, not too far from where you grew up in Lynn. Yeah. In Lynn, Massachusetts. Yeah. And it, yeah. Right. It's not. Far it was from-
1: actually Worcester. You were
0: yep. in Worcester, but Lynn is not far from there, right?
1: No, no, not far at all. all right,
0: so uh, I worked there for a couple of years at a place called American Home Healthcare Company. I think that's what it was called. And uh, so we provided home, um, PT, OT, and speech therapy services. So I I set that up. And when I was there, I uh, had my first born child. My oldest, his name is Yoni. And uh, we we stayed there for a couple of years. We moved back to Israel. And... I decided at that stage that I was not going to go back to physical therapy for a few reasons. And one is that um, I was disillusioned with physical therapy in the hospital system in Israel. It's very different to how I was used to in Canada and in Australia. And I didn't really want to go back and battle the system that I, I had discovered. And, and another thing was that I learned that I loved to cook. when I, While I was in Boston, I started cooking a lot and I really loved it. So I kind of got into that a lot deeper and I was pregnant. In fact, I just did that. And my second child was like a year and 10 months. Maya was born after Yoni was born. So to, you know, starting to getting back into a new job and everything was a little bit more difficult when you're pregnant. Mm -hmm. So I decided to, I went to cooking school when Maya was just a month old. Here in Israel. But by that stage, I had already I really knew um, a a lot about cooking, but less about managing like a cooking company or stuff like that. So I did that for a year and then I opened my own catering company and cooking. I ended up teaching cooking classes uh, to children and to adults and I catered functions of up to about 150 people. And I was a private chef. I was all at the same time, you know, depending on what job came to me. I took it like, you know, I was a private chef for uh, at this at that time, too. You know. Speaking of humble beginnings, there's something about beginnings which I don't find humbling. Like I find them exciting, I have to say. Like I love I love that stage of things where, where you're learning and everything is a challenge and everything is super interesting. And, and, and the growth is, is tangible. You know, you can really, it's, it's, you can feel your progress all the time, you know, and, and I love that part of things. And I, uh, became more and more established. And and then I got to a stage where, where it became more of a routine and, A lot less fun and, um, kind of tiring and uh, catering is, um, is it's, it's kind of seasonal work as well, especially here in Israel. Summer is a huge, huge, it probably is all over the world, I guess, where summer is a big, um events. Everybody has their, all of their events in the summertime and on the, around the holidays. And I found myself spending all my weekends working and all the holidays working and all nights, you know, and, and, and lots of all or nothing. Like, you know, you end up working lots and lots and lots, and then there's nothing for a couple of weeks and then lots and lots and lots. And it was hard. It was hard for me. I have to say it was hard physically. It was hard, uh, financially and, and I didn't, I wasn't able to build it into something that um something bigger. Like, you know, you get to a stage in your company sometimes where you have to grow it, take it to the next level, which I never did with a catering company. Like I never took on a lot, a lot of more staff. I did always did most of the like it did I didn't do all the cooking. I had a lot of help cooking, but but I did all of the event planning and the cooking and the you know, all of it. I was doing it all myself instead of getting hiring more people and 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 making it bigger, which I don't know what to tell you. I don't know if that's a mistake or, or, or what it was right for me at the time. At the time it was right for me to leave it, leave mm-hmm. that. And, and what happened was I was offered, somebody approached me um, with a, a job opportunity, which I took and it was a whole different field um in the past as you, as you had mentioned i was a technical writer for a short time mm-hmm. <laughs> which i did not like at all i took a technical writing um course was like 4 months of course and i worked for a year in converse at a big company in the, like the world's most bo- boring job like i don't know how it's for me it was not a good fit and i was i did it for a year and then i left so um <laughs> excuse me so what happened was Um, what I did learn at that time though, I did some content writing and, um, and I actually liked working. There's some aspects of that, which I liked a lot. I like working a lot with the computer. I like writing and stuff like that. So I was approached by a very interesting company who, who is run by somebody who I know, but one of the, um, the main, um, owner of this company is you was the ex head of the, um, Israel, it's like the Israeli ver equivalent of the FBI. So mm-hmm. he was a head. His name is Yuval Diskin, and he's actually very famous in Israel and in a lot of parts of the world. And I worked directly with him um, as their office manager. So this is an administra- administrative position, but in a very fascinating fascinating company. And I was honored to for him. They approached me because I knew somebody who was also one of the partners to do it. And so I just took it because it fit me at the time when I was leaving, wanted to leave my, my catering company in any case. And, and I, I just took it and I was there for a couple of years. Like I did that and it, it kind of developed into, uh, it was administrative and also they do a lot of what it's called. It's, um, intelligence work. That's what it is. So I learned to do intelligence work. It was fascinating. It's all online, uh, intelligence. And I loved it. In fact, it was, it's a super dynamic area. It's something I was unfamiliar with. I was not trained. And then my position kind of evolved to, to, to being just an intelligence, working just an intelligence section and no longer in the administrative section. And then, and then I ended up, and then they needed somebody who was an expert at intelligence, which I was not. I was just like winging it. And so they asked me to leave and I graciously said, okay. <laughs> and, um, and that brought me to where I am now. So now I, uh, work in, I work in Deutsche Bank. I am the executive administrative manager of Deutsche Bank in Israel. And I do that. And that's my full-time position.
1: Wow. Edie, <laughs> your journey, my goodness. I, I remember you corresponding with me before we were doing this and you were like, I have a lot. I, do have a lot. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was like, well, I'll do a brief intro and then you can, you can give us the salient points, but it's hard to like capture everything you've done in a quick summary and a quick bio, because you've been all over the world. You've had many different careers that you followed. And for the most part, it seems like you really followed your passion and you were really open to new and exciting challenges, which made a lot of your jobs very interesting and fulfilling for you. Like I liked how you said that it was right for me at the time, right? right. What you were doing was right for you at the time. And, you know, clearly, you know, we talked a little bit about how confidence ebbs and flows. And you said like, you know, with time, you've gained much more confidence than you had when you were younger. But take us back to a time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story, right? The ground level story and the lessons you learned from it. Sure. You know, I've been thinking about, I
0: have to say, I i have been thinking about, I've been listening to your podcast today and for last, not just today, for the last couple of months. And it has really, and knowing that I'm going to be interviewed today has made me think a lot about my life and how things have progressed. And I have to thank you for that because I I don't get the chance to stop like this and, and, and self and get the self reflection. And I have to also add that today was Yom Kippur and which is also helps to with the self reflection. So I will happily I have so many of
1: these. <laughs> <laughs> I know you got to pick one. <laughs> pick pick the, so, the
0: really juicy so, one. <laughs> okay, So I, well, oh God. So I um, I, I'll pick. I'll pick two. One. There was a really long time ago, which was when I was just eighteen, and I was trying to think of what I wanted to study in university, and I didn't know, and. And I just didn't know. And really what I wanted to do was to take a year and just study general things, like just to set general arts and general sciences and and take one course of this, one course of that, and just to learn better what I loved. And uh, my dad said to me, no, you can't do that. He said, no, you have to choose something. Uh, you need to have, be a, have a profession when you leave your university. So you can be a radiographer or you can be a pharmacist or you can be a physical therapist or an accountant. I think that was about it, the list huh. of things that were, you know, for him, you know, okay. Acceptable. <laughs> yeah. And because I really didn't, you know, and and I don't know what to tell you, Jody. Like, at the time, I really didn't know what I was going to do. And, and being a physical therapist kind of suited me. Like, I like sport and I like dealing with people and I like hospital. Like, the hospital, I, I can't say I like hospitals, but like the hospital environment, You know, Mm -hmm. and I had wanted to be, like I said, originally when I I was getting in America, I really wanted to do medicine when I was growing up in America originally. And I kind of lost that. So I thought, well, I'll go to be a, you know, do physical therapy. that will be kind of close. And I said, okay, so so I went and did that. And and thinking back, I've often thought back to that time as that's a time where I really should have just stood up for myself and said, no, you know, I think I'm going to do something else. I'm going to, I'm I'm going to to find myself, you know, find what I love. I don't like to say find myself; it's kind of a bit hippie-ish. It's not really who I am, but but more, um, know my strengths, you know, le- no no learn myself better, you know. So that's one time. And today, bringing us all the way, it's been a long time since so I was 18. It's like you know, 30 years later. <laughs> no, not 30 years later. 30, 20 years later. I um, today, my parents came to visit and and i said to them um you know i hoping in a year's time i'll be you know i have a vision for what i want to be doing in a year's time and it's not doesn't include uh managing deutsche bank so i said to them, and they said oh no i hope you don't get what you wish for it's so good what you're doing <gasps> now <laughs> that's exactly what they said to me you know yes. and 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 it's and i'm still you know, I'm 49, so I'm still wanting to please my parents. And 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 where where do you where does that you know how do you, some people are grow are naturally get that uh, knowledge of they need to follow their own paths, and and others are you know they're not they they want to do what's right. Like I'm I or me, I should say, I want to do what's right. I always wanted to. I've always have. And, and I would hate to let them down. And, mm-hmm. and I'm certainly not, not a child, you know, and I'm still there. I'm still thinking I want, I don't in some place now I'm it's different now. Now I'm, I'm saying to myself, well, I understand that that's that in your world, that would be the best thing. And in my world, it's a totally different th- story,
1: mm-hmm. but
0: um, it's still there. It's still in the back of my mind thinking I don't want to let them down.
1: You know, Edie, I think that's common. It's so interesting that you're sharing this because I I had a similar experience. And knowing that my parents listen to this podcast, I'm going to have to say something (laughs) before they they listen to me say this um, while we're recording. But I think we're hardwired to want approval from our parents, right? We don't always do what they want us to do. And we have to follow our own path. But having done that, we still want them to approve of what we've done. And recently you know, my parents have been listening to this podcast and some of the other podcasts that I've been on. And my dad shared with me recently, he was like, oh, that was a really good interview. Um, But when you said this, he's like, well, I don't really believe that. This is what I believe. And I, you know, and it was just, it was just an offhanded comment. Like, hey, we don't uh, believe in the same thing, a hundred percent. But inside I was like, oh, what? Right. (laughs) right? Like, are you saying like, I'm wrong? Like I'm off? Like what's going on here? And I really had to like, think about it and allow it to be like, nope, that's what he believes. And that's fine. And that guides how he lives his life. And this is what I believe. And that's fine. And that guides how I live my life. But there still was that moment of like, you mean you don't, you don't (laughs) approve? (laughs) And I'm 40. Yeah, is that crazy? Right. It's still it's still there. It is still tough. We're, you know, inside we're still those little kids who are like, hey, watch what I'm doing. Clap, yeah. you know, cheer me on. You know, we have to just like confidence where you have to kind of build it up. There also has to be that reminder of like and it's OK if they don't approve of everything.
0: It's totally it's it's not only OK, <laughs> it's expected, and I, <laughs> you know, and and um, and it's not on them. I don't blame them. It's not them. It's me. I really, I really think it's, they, they say that because that's true for them. And they, they don't well, say it for, because they want me to feel bad or for me, they don't even really want me to, to do what they say. You know, they, they're just saying it. <laughs> right,
1: right. Right. It's coming from a good place. Right. It's out of love because they truly believe you're in a great place right, right now. Right. Well taken that's care right. of, you know, that's, that's their concern. Right. Yeah. Oh, awesome. All right. AD, now we're, we're, we're like ready for the next one. Okay. Now share with us like, I'm clapping here. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call, take us back to that moment and share with us the steps you took that led to your success.
0: So, as I said, uh, along, all along those things is, is that, but what I didn't mention is that I ended up getting divorced from my husband. And obviously it's hard to get divorced from somebody else anyway. So I, I, we got, I got divorced and, um, this is a huge wake up call and it kind of fits in. My divorce is a long story, but, but part of it is that when I married, I didn't know myself and, and it, connects to the other things that we had spoken about. I mean, I married a good man. He's a great guy and he's a great dad to my kids. And I would never put him down. I don't put him down. And, 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 and the whole, I mean, the, the whole process is very complicated, but a lot of it is, is just knowing who you are and that helps in, in, in knowing who you want to be with. And, and part of, of knowing who I, not knowing who I was, I should say, is that I ended up working with him, and he's he's a dentist. And I ended up working as his assistant in in his dental practice, and I hated it. I really, really hated it. I hated everything about it. I didn't want to do, be anybody's assistant ever. Like I never saw myself as an assistant, and I didn't have like a dentistry, and I didn't like working with him, and I didn't like any of it. And and it, that was a part of my time, my life with him, and that, that I was happy. Like, and I always thought that being a good partner is, you know, supporting somebody. But I took it to an extreme and that I lost myself. I just lost myself. And I only have myself to blame. But that process was a huge wake up call. And I'm happy to be, I'm, I'm, I I lead a very happy life now. And, and I led a happy life then in a certain way, but it it was, is, you know, it's the process was very difficult, um, but that was my wake up call.
1: Mm. One of my um, most recent guests, Valerie Growth, shared the story of her divorce on the podcast as well. And for her, I had asked her, "Was it a wake up call or was it cumulative?" And she said the same thing: it was cumulative. It was, it was, it wasn't a sudden realization. It was almost like a slow awakening. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I have that. To say. It just
1: felt, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, that's really interesting. So for, for those types of experiences, they don't hit you over the head. It's really like, it's just like a growing, it sounds like a growing discontent and then discomfort and then pain.
0: Right. That's so true. And, um, part of gaining confidence, like you said, is, and I said about learning to know yourself is understanding that it is legitimate, that, 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 that pain is legitimate like nobody has to do something. You don't have to have, like you said, be hit overhead by something that was terrible to have legitimate pain. Mm. And, and that, I think that's important for women to know. I really do. Yeah.
1: Thank you for sharing that Edie. Okay. And what I want everyone to get is there is no one way to lead. We're all different. We all bring different strengths to the table. And so we're going to lead differently. So Edie, how would you describe your leadership style?
0: Okay. So again, I'm going to bring two examples. So one is at work (laughs) and one is at home. And I guess they connect to each other at work. I would definitely say, and I I manage, um, you know, the whole office. So I have a few people in the managerial side that I manage. And then I have the... Um, the professional side that I manage. And I I would say that I'm a doer in that um, it's important for me to know what people, what their experience is. It's important for me to show them exactly how things need to be done. I'm happy to throw myself in as part of the team and do things with them. And I would, I would just say that I, I, I would call that as, as a doer. And then at home, I have four kids and oftentimes we're here i and i as you said i we have a blended family, and my husband has two uh, two others, two more kids, and we're oftentimes together, and then we're oftentimes apart, like my husband works overseas and, and it's 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 very dynamic so <laughs> um and so oftentimes I'm on my own with my four kids and and i like to hear i like to lead by example in that i um we have a very happy life. We have a very positive and optimistic life. I, um, I do a lot of things on my own. I, I do all the fixing in the house. Also when my husband's here, I do all the fixing in the house, all of the technical stuff I do, all of the planning, like, um, let's say if we're on, like the other day, um, it was the end of summer already and I hadn't taken the kids away. I said, okay, so we're going camping. And so I took them, for just for one night, but we went, we slept on the beach, and the four of them, I, I just piled them into the car. They're older now, like they're between fourteen and twenty two, but we just got into the car and we went camping. And I just got it all together, and we did it. And you know, I'm not hanging around and waiting for for anybody else really to to um, to say it's okay or to help me out or to. Um, like I'm an independent person and I like and with my kids, it's, it's really a role model that I want that I consciously I consciously set it for them in that um, uh, a woman is uh, or a mom is definitely uh, can work full time and can take on new projects and can bring up the kids in a positive way. And, I'm, and I, I think it's important for my sons and it's important for my daughter to see that. And so I'm conscious of that all the time. And that's definitely the most important thing that I do.
1: Mm. And I know, um, from listening to your show and we, we've kind of giggled about this is there's a theme on your show where a lot of the women say they were raised the same way their brothers were raised. And they, when they raise their children, the boys and the girls are taught equally, mm-hmm. you know, to take responsibility, to, to take leadership. Um, and there d- isn't a, a segregation of roles mm-hmm. per, per se. And so that's interesting that that's a theme. I'm wondering, um, You know what I didn't go back and and take note of is, were they mostly your guests who live in Israel?
0: Oh, no. Let me think. Uh, No, 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 absolutely not. But I think, no, no.
1: OK, good that. Well, not that it's good or bad, but oh, I was it's like, oh, there. I wonder if it's part of the um, Israeli culture. But it's actually it's just interesting to note that these women on, on your podcast who've like really achieved some really successful places in their life. Right. The, these top echelon of women w- were raised very much like their brothers were raised. Yes. Right. And like without any um, skewed notion of what they could do because they were a girl. You know who is going to grow into a woman. Right. So that's really interesting. So that's cool. And Edie, what's one thing you're working on right now that you're really excited about that you'd like to share with oh, us? Oh, it's definitely my podcast. I'm so happy to get Yay. to talk about it now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love my podcast. It's called The Strong Women's Club, and I am so enthusiastic about it and very hyped and um, excited about. First of all, the process is so much fun. I get even you know, I, it's all interview based. I get to interview, talk to women who are, like as you said, the top echelon in all different sorts of fields, including yourself. And, um, I get to, you know, I get to, to rub shoulders with them. It's fun. It's interesting. It's, um, educational. It's inspiring. It's giving me a lot of energy. Um, even just researching the people who might, who I might, You know, want to ask to be on the show. I learn. I'm getting to learn a lot, a lot about people's lives, a lot about how they have reached uh, where they are. And I'm hoping with the podcast that I'll be able to um, to influence other women's lives in that. And they hear these stories and catch you know different things from different people. Everybody is is different, obviously. And so I find it interesting. I love to hear. Uh, success stories. And I think other people do too. And I always learn from, from, from programs like this and hopefully people will learn from mine as well. So that's definitely exciting.
1: Yes. I love your show. I've told you that before. You. The, the women you interview are very inspiring. They've done really great things, but they're very, they're very transparent about things that they've had to grapple with and overcome and different issues that have come up. But, and I've shared with this with you as well. What I really love about these women is they don't apologize or make excuses for how they choose to live their lives. They're like, this is this is my lifestyle. And this I'm okay with that, Mm -hmm. you know, and and my family is okay with that. We've kind of you know, I'm up to big things in the world and I have a wonderful family that supports us. And this is what I choose, period.
0: Right. You know, there's no you know, I've (laughs) even taken I don't know if you. I've Use your wording in that how the women are are unapologetic about what they do. I had never thought of it that way because they're very straightforward, but you're right, and I've actually used your wording on uh, my Facebook page.
1: Oh, awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's how it struck me i was I was like, you know because um you hear it so often like women, you know, especially moms, you know, if they want to go after a career there's there's a lot of guilt right and shame, and Brene Brown talks about that a lot, where they get torn between two really great things. And it seems like the women on your show have found a way to bring them together and to have it all make sense. Yeah. Right. You know what? I
0: learned this a long time ago, a long time ago, I should say, uh, like 15 years ago, um, from a woman who is quite a bit younger than me. And she said to me, you know, Edie, I don't do guilt. And I said to her, Maya, from now on, I don't either. And that's how it is. I just don't do guilt.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's meant in guilt really is meant to be a red flag, like, OK, something to pay attention to and move on. Right. Pivot if you have to pivot. But, you know, it's it's really not meant to be this like thing we suffer. Right. over,
0: Right. <laughs> right. And it's not a motivator. And I've just I've just crossed it out of my le- my lexicon. It's not in my vocabulary anymore.
1: Oh, very interesting. All right, Edie, we are pressed for time. So we're going to do a quick, quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that helps you to be a better leader?
0: Okay. So now is the time I get to talk about CrossFit. (laughs) 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 It had to come up sometime. So I love CrossFit. And I'm going to, as you said, because I don't have a lot of time, but I have to say, this has taught me a lot about leadership. And the way it has taught me about leadership is this is that when you do CrossFit, you um are brought to points in your training where you did not believe you would ever be able to reach in that like for example yesterday i had to do uh 250 squats in a certain you know in intervals in a certain way which is an astronomical number and it doesn't seem possible but you do it and and even in it's all in your mind and this practice has Ha, my, this physical practice of CrossFit has made me stronger mentally for sure.
1: Mm, I completely believe that. Yep. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Okay. So
0: I ha- <laughs> Jody, I have two. So I'll say one. <laughs> no, okay. No, I know. And now I just keep <laughs> noticing. I keep saying that to your questions. Okay. So I'll do one really, really quickly because it's kind of, um, Everybody, I don't know if other people have mentioned it on your show. It's called Women Don't Ask. And it's by Linda Babcock and Sarah Lashever. Have, you, have people mentioned that book? Do you know this book?
1: No, you're the first one. Uh, okay, yeah. so
0: it's called Women Don't Ask. And it's all about negotiating. Um, and I highly recommend it. I'm in the middle. I haven't finished it yet. So which is why I recommend it now. And it, they talk about... You know, how women um, set their goals differently. So when they're asking for, they might ask for some, for raises, they will set their, they'll ask for a different raise to how men ask to, you know, different numbers, lower numbers. They might have to get the same job and, and they just don't ask for, for the same level that men will ask for, or, um, they kind of wait for opportunities to arise. Whereas men often will not wait for an opportunity to arise. They won't, you know, they won't expect it to come to them. They'll go and get it. So I'm just, as I said, I'm reading this book, but I recommend it to other people because it will give, um, gives practical examples. Um, it's an easy book to read. It has kind of little short stories in it. So I recommend that book. And another book that I'm reading, I just finished reading, excuse me, is, is a novel um which i loved it's called it's by Haruka Murakami i don't know if you know his writing it's called colorless colorless tsukuru tazaki and his years of pilgrimage now this is a japanese author i don't know if you know him he wrote a norwegian forest and norwegian wood excuse me and um a whole bunch of other books that are a little sur- surrealistic in their themes this book is a little is more Uh, Down to Earth. And why I mention this book for women is that it's all about a man who was part of a clique, a very strong five person clique where he was a part of it. It was very important to him. And he was suddenly banished from that group of, of, and he never, he didn't know why with no explanation. And he spends a good part of his life suffering from the pain. And then In the end, he, he, he managed to speak to the people who kicked him out of that group and he learns why. And, and it was, turns out it was because of his strength and not because of his weakness, which he all, he spent his entire life feeling that it was because he wasn't good enough and he had no color. It's called colorless Tsukuru Tazaki. And it was exactly the opposite. And they, uh, and and as, as we said in the beginning of our talk, that it's not always people don't see you as you feel. And the opposite is true. Um, so this is a um, it's a novel, and, but it's written very beautifully. And I recommend this book.
1: All right, then I will list it. You, you <laughs> won me over. Just email me the name because I will get the spelling absolutely okay. wrong. I'll be Googling it going, what the heck was she talking yeah, about? I know. <laughs> All right, Edie, share with us a success quote or a mantra and why it has meaning for you.
0: So one, I like to say a lot, I say it to my kids and I say it to myself is luck comes to those who work hard and I don't really believe in luck. Um, so I really, but I do believe in hard work and then, and then opportunities have come. And, and another is um, I choose now to live without regrets and everything that I do now um, is without in mind. So I look back, I do regret some things that I've done in my life, um, choices that I've made and and mainly the way I've made those choices and the motivation behind them. And now I'm working hard, at living without regret, making choices that I know that I will be able to stand behind.
1: Mm, I love that. And you know what? I skipped a question, so I'm going to go back to it. Mm. Knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back Mm. (laughs) and do anything differently, what would you change?
0: So I would, I would, I would know myself better. As I spoke before, I would try to know myself better. That would have helped me in, um, at an early age through many things. I think for young women need to, um, do what they can to, to know themselves and also uh, not just younger women, I mean, anybody at any stage. I think that's really important. It's, it's hard to do. I don't know how, I don't know what the best way to do it. I'm still
1: trying. <laughs> right. But, right. Uh, it's an ongoing yeah. process, right? right. <laughs> yes. All right, Edie. Lastly, what is the best way for those listening to connect with you?
0: Um, I was there are a few ways. I think the best way would be on Facebook, um, either on my, at the strong women's club or Edie Berg. um, I, I I also have a, a website, obviously, the strongwomen'sclub.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Edie Berg, but probably Facebook would be the best. Facebook. Yeah.
1: I'll list that as the first one. Okay. All right. And for those listening, you can find all the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com, or you can use the, the short link, which is womentl.com. And Edie, goodness, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us, because I know it's really late at night where you are right now we are all better for having met you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. It was such an honor to be on your show. A pleasure talking to you.
1: Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson. So here goes.